0: So if you are visiting, I also want to welcome you. I'm, my name's Jose, and I'm the lead pastor. And we've been in a series through the book of Ephesians called Incorruptible Love. I got the title for this series from the last verse in the book of Ephesians, Ephesians 6.24, which says, grace be with all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ with incorruptible love. This word incorruptible is pretty great. It means that, Nothing can corrupt it. It's like aluminum when it's left outside, it won't rust rather than other metals. And, and so I don't know about you, but I want to learn and I wanna grow a love for God that is incorruptible. No matter what circumstances may come my way, no matter what consequences I'm dealing with because of my stuff and my sin, I want my love for God to be incorruptible. And that's what Paul is teaching us. We're finishing chapter two this morning. We're gonna be reading the last few verses of chapter two. But first, let's look at how we got there. Chapter one taught us that we are chosen by God, nothing that we have done. We have been chosen by God as his children, period. That's who we are. That's our identity in Christ. And then we looked at a prayer that Paul prayed, and really taught us how to have a strong prayer life, incorruptible prayer, where we give thanks, we pray with heavenly authority, we we pray for wisdom, and we pray and yield to God and say, Lord, not my, but your will be done. And then last week, Sean talked to us about our story, about our testimony. That's how chapter two starts. And we learned that we are not the heroes of our story. God is the hero of our story. And he chooses to work in and through us. And today he digs, Paul digs in a little deeper into what it meant for Jesus to come. So first three chapters, chapter one, two, and three, focus on what God has done for us, God's love for us. And then chapter four, five, and six, teach us about love for one another. And today, Paul talks about peace, how Jesus came to bring us peace with himself and peace with others. Who needs more peace in their life? Who would like to see more peace in our world? Some world peace. Man, can you imagine peace? What brings you peace? Hopefully coming to church may bring you peace. For some of you, being in that tent right now may bring you peace maybe not in church but outside camping out by yourself not worrying about anybody or any noise just peace that's my wife she she loves being by herself and that's what brings her peace i'm A little different. I would have loved to have been at the 49ers and Packers game last night (laughs) in zero degrees, just feeling everybody else's warmth and passion and just cheering on and really being a bandwagon fan because however other people are feeling, I wouldn't have felt the same thing. So I probably wouldn't have felt peace after the game yesterday. But I I, I recharge and my peace is found when I'm with people, when when I'm uh, around a lot of noise and laughter and (laughs) Fun. And so everyone recharges differently and, and, and has feels peace by doing different things. But there's one commonality that Paul is talking about. If we want to know peace, true peace, that can only be found in Jesus Christ. True peace. So he starts talking to the Gentiles. See, in in the context of this book, Paul is preaching to two people groups, to the Jews and to the Gentiles. And there was no peace between them at the time. In fact, Ephesus, this city, was a multicultural city filled with Egyptians and Persians and Romans and Jews and Greeks, different nationalities, different uh, and diverse socioeconomic statuses from wealthy, urban, elite, all the way down to these servants and and indentured servants and slaves. So you really ran the gamut of who Paul was speaking to here. So he's zooming into this division, this lack of peace, because isn't that true? When we don't have peace, we have division, we have exclusion, we have separation, we have Chaos, and so he 's speaking to this context. I, I want to talk about one other instance that um, a, a lot of people know back then there were, there was this um, issue in Alexandria between the Jews and the Gentiles. It was in another city, but it caused so much chaos that the Jews were actually exiled they were expelled from the city of Rome for a period of time because of the division between these two. People groups. And it is this that sets the context for Paul's words. Starting in verse 11 of chapter two, Paul speaking to the Gentiles, says, therefore, remember that you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands. So Paul is speaking to this Hebrew and Jewish ritual that would mark people as a symbol symbolized that they belonged to the people of God. So those that were not circumcised did not belong to the people of God. Remember that at that time, you Gentiles were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God In the world. Now that's not a good picture. I mean, think about being excluded from citizenship, excluded from hope, absence of peace. But verse 13, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. It's not you're brought near by peace and handshakes and peace treaties that men make. No, you have been brought near by the blood of Christ. We're going to talk about the atoning sacrifice that Jesus paid for us, which does away with division and brings peace. You once were excluded, now you are included says Paul, and he goes on to further explain how we're included. Verse 14, for he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. These are the first five books of the Bible, the Torah. They're filled with over 613 laws that man had to do in order to be in the presence of the holy and almighty God. A lot of man doing in order to be in the presence of God in order to have this peace. And what Paul is saying is that Jesus came. Jesus is our peace. He set aside in his flesh, the law and its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. And in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to to those who were near. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. A lot of peace. What does this all mean? Okay, it means first that God loves peace. God wants peace. God doesn't want separation, division, chaos, exclusion. No, 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 no. God wants peace. He wants peace with us individually and he wants us to have peace with God others. In fact, that's why Jesus came. So in order to further understand how grave this is. It's really the story of the Old Testament, the first 39 books of the Bible. Uh, We have to talk about this wall of hostility, that this barrier that existed. It was a physical barrier in the temple in Jerusalem. Here's a diagram of the temple. This was uh, the temple that Herod built, the second temple. Solomon built the first one, Herod built the second one. You see that wall right there around uh, the, the smaller wall? that's that barrier, it was called the Sergos. And it was a one and a half by four wall that separated Jews from Gentiles. So if you were a Gentile, if you weren't a Jew, if you weren't a Jew, you were in the white space. And the white space was where Jesus cleansed the temple. Remember the story with the whip and he turned the tables over because people were selling animals for sacrifices so that people could go inside of the temple and uh, uh, give their sacrifice. So if you were a Gentile, I'm a Gentile, we would be in that white space and you would be excluded from that first outer uh, level of the temple. I have another diagram here, which shows it's a little simpler of of a diagram. It's just linear. It's just a simple picture. So if you're a Gentile, you're not even included in in this picture. Uh, But then we have a, a green light. If you were Jewish, man or woman, you can go into the court of the women. So men and women could go inside of the temple up to that, Point. If you were a man and you came to bring a sacrifice to God to atone for your sins, the sin of your family, you went to the next uh, gate, which was called the court of Israel. But that line right above the yellow light was it. Only priest can go into the next line. That is the court of the priest where they would take your sacrifice. They would put it on that altar, which is that rectangle right underneath the red square. And they would sacrifice that animal to cover the sins of you and your family. But then there was one more exclusive place, the Holy of Holies. That's why I put that fire emoji because this is the hot spot. This is where the presence of God lived. Now, if you're just checking God out, you're probably thinking this is how I see God. I see God as an exclusive far away deity that is enclosed in a place and he looks out with judgment and he looks out with disgust to my actions. And and here is what this picture uh, uh, means. God existed in that space for our own good, because God is perfect and holy. And you and I are full of sin and stuff that if we were in the presence of God, we wouldn't be able to live. We would die in the presence of the almighty God. And what Paul is speaking to is that he is destroying these before the temple, there was a tabernacle, and before the tabernacle, there was uh, a tent. Before uh, the next slide is is the stone that was outside that separated the Jews and the Gentiles. And this is the stone that Paul is speaking to. This is the the translation of that. No foreigner is to enter within the forecourt in the balustrade around the sanctuary. Whoever is caught will have himself to blame for for his subsequent death. Do you see where the hostility now comes from between Jews and uh, uh, Gentiles? Could you imagine being a Gentile and reading that and saying, Who do you think you are, you know, to tell me that I can't come in into the presence of God? There was a tabernacle. There was the temple before there was the tabernacle in a tent. Moses, thousand years before the temple. He went into the tent and Mo, in Exodus 33 reads that now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away. So he was separate. When I led student groups to Mexico, the guys would, would, would uh, stay outside for a week in, in the North Mexican heat. It's a lot of fun. Uh, We we learned how to be men and how to camp out while the girls enjoyed uh, the inside, right, Hector? And and the guys would be outside and they would pitch hammocks and I had this tent. This was, I called it my tent of meeting. It was separate from the other tents because it was my alone time uh, uh, from all of the stuff that high school guys do. So Moses uh, pitched a tent outside the camp some distance away and he called it the tent of meeting and anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. And whenever Moses went inside the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. Whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance to the tent, they all stood and worshiped each at the entrance to their tent. And the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. So imagine I'm in the tent. It's kind of nice in here. I'm talking to God exclusively. How you doing out there? You feel excluded? Maybe this is the way that you grew up, thinking that, other people that deserve to be in the tent can only speak to God. If I was one of the Israelites back then, I would have felt that way. And I felt that way growing up too. Thinking that God was far away, thinking that I was excluded from being in relationship with God because of my sin. Well, let me tell you the good news. Jesus came and God became flesh. And John one says that he made his dwelling among us, and Jesus lived a perfect life so that he could become the perfect sacrifice once and for all. See, Jesus hated separation so much that he stepped out of the tent. And on the cross, this happened. Matthew 27, when Jesus cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit, and at that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from the top to bottom. He broke and destroyed the barrier. He came to us, his Holy Spirit now ushered into all humanity, Jews and Gentiles and all like through the gospel of Jesus Christ, whom we have peace. One of the biggest critiques that I hear of Christianity is that it's too exclusive. How can a good God send good people who don't believe in him to hell? How how, how can that happen? Why, Why does it only have to be through Jesus? And in order to answer that question, that's exactly why I went through this whole thing because we have to recognize that God was holy And he went into the tent with Moses and he lived inside of the tabernacle through the Ark of the Covenant. He lived in the temple in the holiest of holies for our sake so that we wouldn't die because there needed to be an atoning sacrifice. This is what Hebrews 10 then says. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence now to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living uh, uh, a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is His body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings. We now get to live in the presence of God through the blood that covers us and our sin, thanks to Jesus Christ. We have been invited now to the most exclusive place in the universe, the presence of God. Paul finishes in verse 19 by saying, consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household built on the foundations of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. God's presence no longer is in a tent, no longer is in a temple. God's presence, if you're in Christ, lives in you. And when we come together, He built a new home. Uh, He he built a new humanity, a new people. Not so that we can create barriers and make people feel excluded the way that you may have just felt when you saw me in there or the way that I felt growing up thinking that God was so far, far away. No, no, no. He made us so that we can extend the invite to others, that God has become flesh, that God came to pay the price for your sins so that you can live with the peace of the presence of the almighty God. My friends, as I was reading this, I thought, all right, God, I get it. This is theological, two become one, Jews and Gentiles are one, God destroyed division. What do you wanna say to us? And it hit me. If Jesus came to destroy the barrier, why then do we make barriers and exclude other people from entering into relationship with Jesus? By judgment, by thinking that we're better, by thinking that we're we're entitled to something because of something that we've done, when this is solely an act of the almighty God for his creation, so that we can extend the invite and say, hey, you have the most exclusive invitation that's ever existed in the universe. You You can be in relationship with the living God, the Prince of Peace. So let's do that. Let's extend the invitation to those around us. Or maybe if you are here and you haven't said yes to Jesus Christ, that's what the gospel is. It is an invitation to all people, no matter your background, no matter uh, your track record. It's an invitation to say, hey, I want you to have peace. I came so that you could be at peace with God and at peace with others. So maybe your step today is to receive it, to take it personally, and then to see how that changes your life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for peace. And I thank you for the way that you made for us to be in your presence right here, in this place. I ask God that you would remind us as we, in our flesh, start building up barriers and and thinking differently about others, Father, instead of that, I pray that you'd give us the courage to extend peace, the peace of Christ, the invitation into relationship with the living God to others, God. I ask as, as Paul here declares that the two will become one, that you, will, you would do that in our families, that you would do that uh, in our relationships with our friends and others, that we would see peace occur here on earth. And we're grateful for your blood, Jesus, that covered us fully. We thank you for the forgiveness of our sins. We pray this in the mighty, powerful. and.